Thanks for tuning in to episode 54 of the AFTN Soccer Podcast. Before we get underway, I just want to start off with an apology. Unfortunately, one of our microphones packed in on us during the recording, which we weren't aware of at the time. As such, unfortunately, co-host Jay Duke is a little bit tinny and muffled, but we hope you find it still listenable and does not spoil your enjoyment of this episode. Thanks for listening. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. Colorado, Colorado, beautiful place that you are. Feel the sorrow of tomorrow before you go very far. Not everyone wants a life I chose. Someone going back to Colorado. What? Colorado. No, this is Colorado. We got the nicest girls and my father best crown again. Here in the world. This is Colorado. We got the nicest girls and my father best crown again. Here in the world. Welcome to episode 54 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. Today we'll be previewing the upcoming match between the Vancouver Whitecaps and the Colorado Rapids. Today I'm joined by our regular co-host for the preview show, Jay Duke. Hi everybody. Unfortunately, we won't be joined by Aaron Campbell. He is right now on the injured reserve list. Uh, He hurt his knee. So we send our best wishes to Aaron and a full recovery and hopefully he'll be ready to go next week. But Jay, let's get right off the bat. Let's start off talking about your opinion of the match last week against Houston, their home return. They played Houston, a strong team from the East who was undefeated. How do you think they did? A bit of the Pedro Morales show. Anybody who didn't notice before, it seems like he's starting to get a little bit of league-wide recognition for the level of passing that he can really show. Uh, It was good. You know, there was very little from Houston... Uh, at all, really, uh, especially coming through the middle. And I thought uh, Lava was just an absolute stud. There, anytime somebody was coming down the middle, there was absolutely nothing there. Most of their attacks seemed to come down the wing, and we dealt with it pretty well, all things considered. So that's enough of that game. Let's get our... We're now going to move on to the upcoming game against Colorado. We're going to be joined by first Carl Robinson, and then we'll be joined by MLS beat writer for the Colorado Rapids, Chris Bianchi. It's important you win your home games or get something out of your home games and obviously we've had two very positive results and it's important we try and continue that on Saturday. Well if they get a penalty, good luck where he's going because he's gone every every side and every uh, angle so um, we've just got to make sure we don't give free kicks up and obviously penalties away. It's important they're very good at dead balls like Houston were last week so it's important we, we deal with that, we stay on our feet, we don't go to ground but then obviously try and put our stamp on the game because it's about what we do. Just jumps at the speed as we all get down. I love Colorado Fort Collins underground. So 
So now we're joined by MLS writer for the Colorado Rapids, Chris Bianchi. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Yeah, no problem at all. Happy to join you guys. So, Chris, talking about the Rapids, let's talk about the offseason, first of all. There was that big coaching change, Oscar Pereira to Pablo Mastroni. It was obviously something that wasn't expected going into the offseason, but it happened. Is there any concern that the Rapids are in danger of taking a step backwards after the coaching change? Uh, I think inevitably when you take a coaching change and when you have a coach like Brian who led the Rapids to the playoffs and things seem to be clicking under him and he kind of suddenly bolts and frankly left the Rapids in a pretty bad spot because of the timing of it. Really, he kind of changed his mind in December and then the formal departure happened in early January. So because of that, the timing uh, really just a couple of days before the combine really left the Rapids a bit of a pickle. Uh, so inevitably there is obviously some fear on that standpoint, but I think the Rapids, what we've seen on the field is that the Rapids are a team that's certainly ready to compete, and you've got some pretty talented younger guys, guys who are getting now looks for the U.S. national team, and Chris Clute and Shane O'Neill, and then you couple that with Rookie of the Year, Dylan Powers, and runner-up, Sean Brown, but Youngtown is unquestionably there, so despite the fact that you do have some off-the-field concerns with this team in terms of the coaching, and obviously a first-year head coach was kind of thrown into that role just now, I mean, the Rapids on the field are pretty clearly a team that's also primed to compete. Has Mastroni made any adjustments to the tactics or is he, or the philosophy, or is he staying the course and that's already been established from last season? I think there's been... I mean, Oscar Pereira was pretty well known for and what the Rapids want as an organization. This was pretty clearly communicated down to, to Mastroni is that they want to play an attacking style of soccer. Basically, the idea behind it is that here in Colorado there's been some attendance problems, so the idea is that uh, that they play a more attractive, free-flowing style of soccer to attract more fans. So it's kind of, the style, technically, is kind of dictated down. But the Raptors have been playing kind of a 4-2-3-1, which you did see from Pereja a fair bit as well, but Pereja at heart is a 4-3-3 kind of guy. So I would say that's probably a, maybe a, a nudge more defensive from what we've seen the first few games of the Raptors, but that's right, he's also made it pretty clear that he wants that attacking a free-flowing style soccer as well. So maybe a, a nudge for defensive what we see from Mastroni so far. The Caps and the Rapids have a similarity in their philosophy of investing in the youth. They're both heavily invested in, in their lot of young players, a lot of homegrown players for both teams. Is this is this more of a financial thing for them that they see that they have to? this is the way they can compete in MLS or is it a philosophy they really believe in? I think it's too far. I mean, it's impossible to ignore the financial benefits of signing homegrown guys and letting them grow within your own system. So I think there's no question about it that from the, the homegrown side, absolutely, it benefits you financially. I mean, there's a little question about that one. But I do think there's a deeper issue at heart here with the Rapids as well, which is they really kind of, since Tim Hitch became president back in November, December 2010, the Rapids really want to kind of foster a Colorado pride sort of mentality within the club, and what I kind of mean by that is the Rapids have the state flag on their jerseys now, and that's a very new thing. You look at the sidelines, the Colorado State flags on it. Basically, Colorado Pride is one of the themes behind the Rapids now, and you know, the one of the club hashtags is Colorado for Life on Twitter with the club, so the Rapids have made it pretty clear over the past few years. They really, when they hire Pablo Mastroeni as well, they want uh, Mastroeni to be the guy for the next 10 years. They want basically this club to 
maybe, I mean, obviously, you know, far less a role or far less a sense, but kind of figure out Barcelona-ish approach to things where there's a sense of pride within the club. It's not just, it's not a stepping stone club. It's really pride in Colorado itself as well as the club. So I think the homegrown factor for the Rapids might take on a bit of a deeper meaning because they've committed quite a bit of a sense to that over the last few years. A couple of young players that really impressed last season and, and really did well to, you know, in in helping the Rapids make the playoffs was Deshaun Browns and Dylan Powers. W- would there be any concern with them? How would they have, how, how, first of all, how have they looked? And is there any concern that they might suffer through a sophomore slump in their second season? I would have said before the year there would have been a bit of a concern with Dylan Powers. He would have been my guess just because he's gotten off to a bit of a rough start. He had concussion problems in the offseason, and he's fully clear now, but he also had eight tendonitis during the preseason, so that limited it, really. And he's not really, I don't think he's 100% fully matched fit yet either. So, twofold problems with Dylan Powers, but he's been great. You see that. I, I think Powers has picked up right where he left off last season, and he's playing more of an attacking midfield role more consistently now than that hard of that attacking mid spot for Colorado. And he's been just fantastic, honestly. He set up two goals in the Rapids 2 nothing win over Portland. Uh, again, I can't say enough good things about power so far. I think Deshaun Brown's got to pick it up a little bit. He's had a goal off of a penalty kick where he got the rebound and scored against Portland. But otherwise, especially last game of the opener, there's been a positional issue with Deshaun Brown. Is he best suited as a center striker or is he more of a wing midfielder? And I think so far what we've seen with Deshaun Brown is he's probably best in that wing midfield role. And he looks pretty dangerous at times against Portland. But otherwise... The other two games, he hasn't been particularly good, in my opinion. So, Deshaun Brown, maybe, I mean, you know, I guess every young player goes through their good and bad spells, and I wouldn't call it a bad spell so far, but he's perhaps been a little disappointing so far this season. So, Deshaun Brown might be a guy to watch for. Again, really kind of figuring himself out positionally. I think the club is as well. Pablo Mastroen is trying to decide where he wants to play him, and I think that'll be something to watch for, possibly on Saturday against Vancouver. The, the Rapids went out of their comfort zone a little bit last season, especially in the summer, with signing uh, Sanchez and Torres. How are those guys, after having a full preseason, fitting in with the club uh, this season? Obviously, Sanchez has four goals, but how overall are they fitting both of them? Yeah, I mean, Sanchez has been an absolute stud since he arrived here. I mean, Sanchez was kind of a little under the radar, even though he's got a very decorated history at the Uruguay national team and playing in in La Liga and, and, and the Mexican competition as well for all those years, really making a name for himself over here. And people really know him here in Colorado, uh, the people of Mexican descent. But Sanchez flew under the radar because Torres was the Rapids' first designated player signing club history. So he got all the attention, all the pub, and it was kind of a drawn-out process to get him here from Panama, so or from Venezuela, where he was playing before. But Sanchez has been the guy who's really been the more impressive of the two, frankly. And Torres has not been on the... He hasn't been favored by Mastery so far. He started the opener playing in the more midfield role, but he's more of a true striker. And Torres has been on the bench for the last two games. He's gotten time in both games, but somewhat surprisingly, uh, Mastery hasn't been able to find him a spot in the 11 so far. So that'll be interesting to watch for. And I think if I'm guessing, and I'm guessing pretty strongly here, I think he'll start on Saturday against Vancouver just because... You look at Edson Buttle, who's been starting up top at that center striker role. He's got bad knees going into that turf, then that right midfield role. Same deal with Vicente Sanchez, who's 34. 
you're looking at two guys there who are pretty much primed for a rest right now. Not sure I hindered at that today where I talked to him. So I would say that you might see Gabby Torres. But Torres has been a bit more of a sports guy. Um, he had to go on international duty quite a bit last year. So we haven't really quite seen a full helping of Gabby Torres yet here in Colorado. But, you know, I think what we're curious for a little bit more to see from him over the next few games and certainly this season. A couple of players that the the Rapids picked up last season, um, Clint Irwin and Chris Clute from the lower leagues. They're right now have injury issues. Uh, how, what are their status? Is there and is there anybody else that is you know injury concern right now coming into this game? Well, Marvell Wynn won't won't be there on center back on Saturday because of he's been suspended, and there was some concern that his partner at center back Drew Moore might be suspended as well. But that was just cleared up. He will uh, Drew Moore will play on Saturday. Dylan Serna, who started the right at right midfield, he sprained his ankle in training recently. He looks like won't be able to play this weekend. He's gonna they're gonna give it a go. It looks like he'll definitely play against Toronto the weekend afterwards, but it doesn't look like he'll play. But the Rapids do get Jose Mari back from suspension. He had a red card at the end of the sporting uh, excuse me at the end of the Portland game. So the Rapids will get a couple players back here this weekend, but they'll also lose a couple, as happens. Uh, Clint Irwin's battled a right right quad problem over the first few games of the season, but he's also kind of lost his full stranglehold on the starting goalkeeper spot to John Berner, a rookie second-round pick who's impressed. But the Rapids gave up three goals on Saturday. I don't know how much blame Pablo Masterini will give to Berner on that, but look for possibly Irwin to play to possibly start this weekend here against Vancouver. And I think the other guy you mentioned was Chris Kutz. He won't play this weekend. He's still out. He's got a few more weeks He's got a left hamstring issue. I believe it's a strain there, so he will not play this weekend. And the Raptors looks like they're going to sign, for a lot of you European soccer fans, especially from the 1970s, will remember the name Johan Nieskins. His son uh, obviously played a legend from those total football teams of the Netherlands back in the mid-70s. His son, John Nieskins, who came through the Barcelona youth setup, he will probably be signed. He'll be the starter, it looks like, at left back because... Mark Birch, uh, Chris Kluth's deputy, is out with what looks like an ankle injury. It looks like he'll be out. It's not for sure yet, but he's day-to-day right now, but doesn't look like he'll play. So it looks like Neeskins will be the guy who plays for the Rapids this weekend. So some new faces for sure for Vancouver fans to look for on Saturday. You were speaking of Marvel when How big of a factor is he? his loss in the midfield, especially dealing with the pace of guys like Maddox, Mane, and uh, other guys like that? Yeah, having the old pace, I mean... The reason the Rapids moved him back, he played right back last year, they moved him back to center, was because of, um, you know, more, uh, Drew Moore is good in the air, but he's not the quickest guy. So they wanted to have Drew Marvell win back there with him to kind of offset that a little bit. And it's worked pretty well so far. Until the second half of uh, the Kansas City game, the Rapids had to let up one goal in the first two half plus games, and then things kind of fell apart in the second half on Saturday. But Matt is pretty been pretty vocal about how happy he's been with the defense so far, even with a lot of positional switches. And so they'll miss Wynn back there. I think he's done a pretty decent job. Again, it's hard to find fault when the Rapids' defense is only conceded once, or they had only conceded once in the first two half games. Wynn got a red card at the end of the game, and then Kansas City scored shortly after that. So, again, I'd say it's a pretty significant loss, especially when there's not a whole lot of cover there, because on defense, we already talked about left back Mark Birch out as well as Chris Clute. So you're going to probably have to sign a trialist there at left back. Drew Moore will play at center back and then Shane O'Neill at right back, but Shane O'Neill is not exactly a natural right back. and He's been a little shaky at times there at right back. So 
you might be able to find a few holes there in that deep at if you're Vancouver on Saturday because the Rapids are a little banged up, especially for this early in the season there in the defense. Other than trying to uh, earn a penalty, what other factors okay. do you, are keys for the Rapids in order to pick up a, a positive result in, against the Whitecaps this Saturday? Yeah, I think, I mean, they look pretty good. I think one of the keys is that the Rapids look pretty good in the opener against the New York Red Bulls. They looked pretty good on the road, and the road's been an issue for the Rapids team as long as it's been history, frankly. I mean, Analyze is always difficult on the road, but the Rapids have been particularly bad just because their home and field advantage is such a big advantage with the altitude in addition to, well, obviously being at home. The road has also been very difficult for the Rapids over the years, but I think that Colorado's kind of figured it out a little bit on the road. Last season, they were close to 500 away from Colorado, and they got a pretty positive result in the opener. So I think their key is taking it to Vancouver out of the gates and not sitting back, and that's what Pablo Masarani is kind of a size as well this week, is taking it to Vancouver rather than sitting back. But the other one will be, as you mentioned, they got a score from somewhere besides the penalty spot. They scored five goals this season, all from the spot, and that's an issue. you got to score normal goals at some point, and it's a bit of a fluke. I mean, there's no question about it. It's a bit of a fluke stat. And obviously, in order to those penalty kicks, you have to do something right to set it up. But I think that Gabby Torres could provide that different offensive spark. Him and possibly does not, again, this is speculatively, but I think that he'll probably start at center forward this weekend, which would be a bit more of a different look, something that you haven't seen. And, uh, and, and I think that you factor that in with what the Rapids have done uh, offensively. And, and they really, I mean, they only scored two goals on Saturday. They really missed a whole lot of opportunities this past weekend. I mean, they got away with, I mean, Swain Kansas City really got away with quite, the result there, considering the fact that they got pretty thoroughly outplayed, especially that first half. It was really all Rapids, Nick LeBron, and an absolute sitter. A um, couple of open headers are a miss as well. I think the Rapids played quite well this weekend, and despite the fact they haven't scored a goal from, from the field of play, really, aside from the penalty spot, they certainly deserve more than a few. So before we let you go, Chris, what is your idea of what's going to happen between the Whitecaps and the Rapids on Saturday, what is your prediction for the match? Well, the Rapids have had their fair share of trouble in Vancouver over the years, so I would look for uh, a Vancouver win here, something along the lines of a 2-1 kind of victory, but I think you'll be able to figure out pretty quickly what kind of game this could be like. The Rapids come out firing a little bit. They can get an early goal. I would change my prediction pretty quickly on that, but uh, the back line is, is banged up right now for Colorado. They're banged up, and they're going to be missing Obviously, Marvell went to suspension as well. It's a little bit of flux, so who knows? He'll be starting alongside Drew Moore there. Center back could be Jared Watts, the rookie who impressed center mid last year, but or last game, excuse me. But I would say a 2-1 Vancouver win would be the result I would lean to right now. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado walked away at the point. I would be surprised if they walked away with all three. So, Chris, before we let you go, where can we find you online on Twitter? Yeah, MLSsoccer.com, Colorado Raptors, beat writer for them. You can also find me on Twitter at Rapids underscore views, and I'll be tweeting out all sorts of anecdotes and injury updates as the week goes on as well. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Chris, for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Bye, Steve. Thanks a bunch. So that was Chris Bianchi from MLSsoccer.com. Now, Jay, obviously looking forward to this game. One of the biggest points is uh, people are going to talk about is the formation. 
do they go to stay with a 4-4-2 diamond? Do they go back to a 4-2-3-1? What is your opinion on that? And how it is if he's ready? Because he has, as of Wednesday, he's only training on the side of the pitch with the trainers. Is Rio Coker ready to come back into the lineup? Rio yeah, it's, it's a good question because it sounded like just from hearing uh, Robinson both before the game uh, and, you know, after the game, I heard him on Team 1040 talking about it and stuff. And he, he it sounded like the 4 4 Two diamond was something that he doesn't prefer. That he'd rather go with the four-two-three-one, but he realized how it worked, and he thought it would be work well, and it did. So, um, you know, he may be tempted to go back to the his old four-two-three-one. That being said, I mean, after how good it how good it looked, and how the players, I mean, we the players fit that that formation a little better. In addition to the fact that. Real Coker is still questionable at this time. We don't know if he'll be, if he does come back, if he'll be fit. Uh, and second of all, I, I liked Lava by himself in front of that back four. Um, he, he just had the freedom to go right to left and he was always everywhere. It's like, you don't need somebody else there. He just gets in the way. So, um, I, I think we might see him stick with that, that 442 diamond. They, they, I agree. I kind of agree with that. But the the only issue I have is is the they were playing a Houston team that wasn't expecting it. Colorado might be expecting it. The thing is, with Colorado too is they don't they don't have a they haven't really got a set formation right now. They sometimes go to a four two three one. Sometimes they play a four three three, which they played last year. And talking to Chris uh, in the earlier segment, he was talking about resting quite a few players. So if they rest quite a few players, they might switch a formation. So you have to be prepared for both, and that's where I think with their if as long as they keep either Rio Coker or Kofi in the lineup, they'll be able to switch back and forth from a four four two diamond to a four two three one, depending on how Colorado, Colorado comes out. Because you got kind of kind of I know you want to get the best eleven players, but you also kind of want to match what the other team has and be able to be more uh, tactical and be efficient in, in counteracting what they do. Now. They have a team now because of the suspension to Marvel win, which I think is a huge loss because that guy's got the speed to burn, especially at the center back position. They're also now missing their first and second left back choices. They've signed a new guy, a trialist, but they're depleted right now and at such an early part of the season. This is a chance for the Whitecaps to really take advantage with the speed of Maddox and Mane, if he starts or if he comes off the bench and some other guys, they could really pound the, the Colorado in this game because of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, and that's what you hope to see is that, uh, and they, they, we mentioned it as one of the keys to get out early against Houston and pressure them. And that was another, another thing that I think we're going to have to see. And you have to, you have to think if with how Maddox has been playing, this lines up for a perfect game for him. At first you wondered because Marvell Wynn is such a speedy center back. He's one of the fastest guys in the league. And maybe it doesn't suit up well for Maddox, but you have to think with all those injuries and suspensions back there that, that uh, both Miller, Maddox, whoever ends up playing up front, they're going to be licking their chops. Yeah, definitely. And and the one thing is, is they got to, defensively for sure and we, we we talked about this off air they got to avoid giving a penalty to Colorado because it seems like that's the only way the they Colorado can score at this point but you think that that, that can't continue right like no they, they have five PKs they're on so what are they on pace for for like 25 penalty kicks this year yeah so like it's not possible it's amazing right now because they got one against New York 
They got two against Portland, but the one of the goals was scored by off a rebound. Deshaun Brown capitalized on a miss. And then they got two more against Kansas City. So it was unbelievable. Sanchez, I think, is might be even leading the league in scoring right now because he's taken four he's taken all five penalties, but he converted four of them. So it's it's unbelievable right now. So that defensively, maybe that's all they need to do at this point. And I think uh, one of the guys that really gave him problems last year, Deshaun Brown, it's a better matchup with a Stephen Bettishore going up against him, especially if he plays wide, because I think Bettishore is a little bit more physical than YP Lee was. Certainly. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's something that we saw before, too, is that that whole sophomore slump thing happens, is that the first year you're in a league, you got guys who are kind of a surprise. And, I mean, both Deshaun Brown and Dylan Powers were just electric last year. But, um, you know, this year we got a lot of tape on them now, and we can kind of uh, hopefully the coaches and the defense kind of know what to expect with them. So uh, hopefully they can keep those two guys a little more contained. I think one of the keys, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're a very young team. I think the Whitecaps really have to get on the ball right off the bat and pressure them hard. A young team away from home in that kind of environment, like, sure, it's not a, you know, the big stadium, like where you have 30, 40,000 people, but the 20,000 people that are there are pretty loud in BC plays. I think it's very intimidating for teams, for some players that are playing their first game. Yeah, and on a, on a surface that they're not used to either, so... Um, if they can get out early and, and really hammer it, uh, hammer it at Colorado, uh, you could see, and, and it's, you can see a lopsided victory. That's where all this is headed, but, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. No, it never caps, does. <laughs> the white caps are going to be their own worst enemy. Just like we saw last, last year with Chivas when, uh, it was a game that we were supposed to just dominate them and they, we came out flat. That's what you want to see. You gotta. This is a game that the Whitecaps should they should handily win this game. Another one was a uh, Rail Salt Lake B team. Yeah, that sorry. was another one that was yeah. uh, the difficult one to watch. Yeah, I think w- one of the other things they're gonna have to look at too is is the the goalkeeping position for Colorado. You have uh, either a Clint Irwin who's gonna who was fantastic for him last year, but he's coming off an injury. He hasn't played any of the first three games. Or you have Burner, who's a rookie. Basically, I think he was a second-round pick this year. He's played all right, and he's, last week was the first time he gave up like a multiple goals. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how they they attack this goalkeeper because either one one's going to be rusty, one's inexperienced. So it'll be interesting to see that as well play out. Yeah, we saw. It was one of the things I was hoping to see against New England was that Shuttleworth had had a pretty rough start to the year. So I was hoping that that they would, you know take shots from everywhere. Maybe he'll spill the ball or he'll, you know, have a real gaff or even, you know, just tip something out for a corner. But that's, I think it's something that we saw a little bit more of guys like Tybert and guys like Morales willing to have a go even from distance, just try and put it on frame and hope for good things to happen. So I think we'll see that this game. So those are our thoughts. Uh, now it's time for your favorite part of the show. I think a lot of people are, a lot of people's favorite part of the show. And not because of the Scottish guy that's on it. It's actually the dog. It's time for Trio Time with a special appearance by Predicta Pooch. Trio. Too loud. Trio. I said that was too loud. I want a trio and I want one now. Colorado come a-calling to BC Place on Saturday afternoon in a key Western Conference matchup. Now for me, there's three keys that the Whitecaps need to watch out for and aspire to. First key 
Already mentioned in the podcast, Carl Robinson talked about it at the start of the show as well. The Whitecaps cannot afford to give away a penalty. I, I don't know what it is with Colorado this season. I've never seen a team so blessed with getting penalty after penalty. Five penalties in three games. That kind of has to be something of a record there, definitely. They've scored four. Fifth goal coming from a rebound from one that was saved. The key for the Whitecaps is every defender and every player, whether it's a midfielder or striker that's tracking back into the box, cannot jump in on any tackles and risk giving away a penalty. Especially on Deshaun Brown, who goes down easier than a Cowden girl. It's just going to take the slightest challenge on him. He's going to go down and chances are that the, the Whitecaps could give away a penalty. I have a fear that the likes of Demerit is going to get slow, get a little bit caught out by someone with the pace of Brown and, and just miss time a tackle let's hope not but the Whitecaps really have to be on the top of their game in this at the other end of the field and I kind of seem to find myself saying this every week the Whitecaps need their fullbacks to attack Colorado's defense in fact Colorado's whole team is likely to be weakened for this game and one of the key components for the Whitecaps getting success for me is to attack up both wings. It's important that we see Stephen Betasure having a game at long last where he actually pushes forward. We saw it with Jordan Harvey last week to a lot of success against Houston, got the goal, pushed forward a lot, and both of these guys have to do that on Saturday. And I think if they do, you're going to see one, two, who knows how many goals that, that could maybe come off this. And my final point in this trio of things that the Whitecaps need to do or aspire to in this game is to win the aerial battle in both boxes. Colorado are definitely susceptible in their penalty box of not being able to mark when the balls are headed down or headed on to goal. They are also really good at set pieces and the Whitecaps central defenders in particular really have to win these aerial battles and and just make sure that the Whitecaps are strong in the defence. So no matter where it is on the pitch, they have to win in the air. So that's my trio time for this week. And now it's time for Predict-A-Pooch. This week we thought we would simplify things and also to make it a little bit fairer. So we're going to throw three balls that are pretty much the same colour. There is a large orange chucket ball. If Predicted Pooch brings that back, then that will be a Whitecaps win. There's a red Santa ball. If he brings that back, that will be a draw. And then there's a slightly smaller chucket ball, still orange. And if he brings that back, that will be a Colorado win. He's currently three for four. So let's see what Predicted Pooch is going to say. For this week. Predict a pooch. So here we go. Three, two, one. Chase those balls. He's running into the kitchen. What is he going for? He's going for one of the chucket balls. He's bringing it back. Is it the big one? Is it the small one? Here he comes. Oh, and he has gone for the small chucket ball. He is going for a Colorado win. I think he's going to be wrong this week, but we'll find out on Saturday. Trio. Too loud. Trio. I said that was too I loud. I want a trio and I want one now. So thanks to Michael there and obviously predicted Booch who predicted a Whitecaps loss. Let's go over the formation. I personally don't think there's going to be very many changes. What do you think about the back line and the goalkeeper? I don't think anything there, right? No, same. It's going to be the same. And then... Up front, nothing changes, I don't think. I, let's just get to the position where I think things change. And this is the one that Kofi played. 
And it's not really anything that... I don't think Corfu played horribly. I, I don't think he, he stood out as much as people wanted him to stand out. Who do you think goes in there? Do you think Kofi stays in? Rio Coker, like we mentioned, he's not... He's only training right now on the side. He hasn't done any full-on training. Or do you think Fernandez comes in? Because Fernandez was the first guy off the pitch in the reserve game. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's going to be a question of whether or not Robinson wants to play the four four two diamond or the four two three one, or if he wants to play like we were talking about off air, uh, if he wants the ability to switch it immediately, and if you play Kofi in there uh, or Nigeria Coker, you can switch to that four two three one whenever you want. You can drop one of those guys back. Uh, whereas if you play Fernandez, I mean, you could always drop Tiber back. We saw him there in preseason, but you know he hasn't had a lot of experience there. Uh, so I, I think that he, I really think just from what we've seen, he's he he might go for it. And he might put on Fernandez um, and really play uh, what we would call an attacking four four two diamond because you know those two wingers, Tiber wingers for lack of a better word word in that 4-4-2 diamond are, you know, quality attacking players. They could really go for it with that and just leave Lava in front of those back four on his, uh, on home turf. Especially, I think, with a guy like Dylan Powers. Dylan Powers had a fantastic rookie season, but he's not a finished product right now. He's still a young player who probably struggles on the road a little bit. I think a guy like Matias Lava can control a Dylan Powers by himself and I don't think they need a second guy there and and usually they play only one man up top so well so I think Lava can handle that and I don't think they need help and I think a 4-4-2 will be beneficial in the way that they're not in this game they won't be worried about the flanks as much so they'll be able to even run more of Harvey and Bettishore hopefully better show more but uh both of those guys will be able to move up the pitch enough where they can do some damage in the attack and not worry too much because you can always have those two tips or the side tips move over and cover those fullbacks. I, and I think the real question is whether or not Robinson sees Fernandez as a guy who can he can play in the center of the pitch in a possession-oriented game uh, because we've seen him up to this point as more of you know that kind of wide attacking player uh, who is responsible defensively but not really so much your kind of possession uh, type of center midfielder. So if, if, and I, I haven't seen enough at training or anything to know if that's the type of guy he's, he's going to be. So, uh, I, I'd like to see him go in there and, and, uh, I'd like to see him play in the center of the park. Okay. So those are what we thought of the lineup. We know what predicted Booch thought. We know what Michael thinks. Who do you think wins this game and what, what, what give us an, a score if you want to. Yeah, I got to go with another Whitecaps victory. Banged up defense, uh, home home pitch. They've looked good. A lot of players in form right now. I'm going to say a pretty strong Whitecaps win. Let's say 2-0. Let's say 2-0. A strong 2-0, though. I think this Colorado team is going to come in and really give the Whitecaps something to handle. I think they were... And a lot of players are still here from last year. I think they were pretty embarrassed when they were lost, I think it was 3 nothing last year in the finale. I think it's going to be a little bit closer, I think it was, but I do think it's Whitecaps when I predict 1 nothing. So, before we get out of here, uh, Jay, where can we find you online? I'm at J-A-Y underscore Duke on Twitter and uh, occasionally writing on AFTM and Canadian Soccer News. And my name is Steve Pander and you can find me on Twitter 
at Whitecapsbeat. And you can find all our writings at AFTN.ca and on CanadianSoccerNews.com. So that was this week's preview show. We'd like to thank our guests, Chris Bianchi from MLSsoccer.com, Carl Robinson, Michael McCall, and Predictapooch. The game is coming up this Saturday, 3.30 at BC Place. Once again, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show and see you at the pitch. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, friendly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Ah, oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?